A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, over there in Los Angeles, California, old friend, 49ers hub, fellow NFL super friend, he's back. We have all the four NFL super friends here tonight, Evan Swords, good evening, sir, how are you? I'm doing good, man, I'm doing great, enjoying the bye week. That was pretty nice, I, right? Because like, I was pretty hot week. last week. Evan Swords was pretty hot. He missed the pod. He didn't get to rant about the Niners' loss. They've lost a couple in a row. He's he's a little hot, but he gets Chase Young, and then he's all the way back. He uh, he sees Chase Young in a Niners uniform, and the man is he's bought back in. I uh, last week went. I am I'm old. I'm 35. I'm mm. almost 36. I'm old, and I went to a concert Sunday last night. Last Sunday, I didn't even drink. I was sober and I was like, dog, I'll be fine. Mm. The next day I was like, this has ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> but just it's shout out to shout out to Fred again. He's dope. Oh, my uh, uh, one of my best friends in uh, New York who we stayed with a couple weeks ago. He went to a Fred again show in New York and, and really, really loved it. Yeah, he was incredible. all about it. I didn't know who it was, but he was also a fan. I had not heard that name until you said it. That's how I know I'm old. He's like the biggest DJ in the world. My buddy's like, well, you, you got to buy a ticket to this. And I was like, OK, who is he? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I have no idea either. Like that's how we know we're old. Um, also here down there in uh, parts unknown of Florida, I want to say Gainesville. JP, you're in a in Gainesville, Florida, correct? Orlando. Orlando. Oh, okay. Gainesville. Uh, JP Acosta of SBNation.com is here. JP, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing great. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars currently sit at plus sixteen hundred odds to win the Super Bowl. That's how I'm <laughs> feeling right now. Uh, Dan, uh, Doug Peterson is plus sixteen hundred, I believe, according to DraftKings. Or coach of the year, if you want to make some money. Uh, JP, we are officially on. Uh, oh yeah, we're on a we're on a collision course <laughs> for Sunday. What's uh, what are the odds going to be for the Super Bowl after Sunday? Huh? They're going to be extremely high, actually. <laughs> reg- regardless of what happens, there's yeah. nothing that's going to break my stride at this point. Well, we're going to see because you saw a, a 
a despondent Jarrett Bailey of USA Today, the pump fake, and everywhere else uh, last week after his Steelers uh, got put in the torture rack against uh, the Jaguars a week ago. We'll see if the, the fate is the same for the 49ers on Sunday. But Jarrett, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, you know, same old, same old, really. You know, the uh, mentality hasn't changed. I've uh, I've taken off my lid the past couple of days when it comes to, you know, usually I try to, you know, stay mellow mm-hmm. on the old X. Like I'm goofy and I'll, you know, say some out of pocket stuff every once in a while. But like, for the most part, you know, I'm just there to chill and whatnot. Last few days, I've been a miserable little miser to mm. uh, certain sectors of the fan base of the team, which I cover heavily and root for. Um, so yeah, I've been a little bit annoyed the past couple of days, but annoyed since Thursday, really. This is just same old things with this team. They're horrible. They have a record of five and three. And some, you know, some of these fans just, oh, wins a win. That's great. They're, if they get to the playoffs, they're going to lose by 90 and that's their ceiling. Huzzah. Oh my so God. Just, Jared is in hell right now. That was, yeah, man, it's just not, you good. are just broken down. You're eight. Like we're eight games in you're five and three and you're just despondent. I feel no, bad. Not all wins are created equally, my friend. And this is no. a bad football team. With- the Falcons still are on track to host a playoff game no, this year. No, no, they're not, not even, le- they're not even leading the division. It doesn't First matter. Off, Have you seen the on. schedule? Have, we got the Cardinals this week. I'm telling you, the Falcons' schedule Kyler is Murray preposterously is bad. Josh Dobbs was on the team for five Hold days. Hold on, we don't need to do that. No, no, lost. no. We're not starting off with this. Damn it, JP. About the Cardinals, like, oh, the Cardinals are bad. The Falcons should win this game. Josh Dobbs was literally Jay- like, Kevin O'Connell had to tell Josh Dobbs what the play and like how to look at the play mm-hmm. during the game. JP, quick lost. question. What offense do you think is worse to watch for your eyes, your soul, your heart, all the above. Oh, wow. The Steelers with uh, Kenny Pickett uh, or the Desmond Ritter and the Falcons? I know. It's I'm, going to go, I'm going to go with the Steelers and Kenny Pickett mainly because nothing right. about that. Mission accomplished. Nothing about that is fun. I can at least rationalize and say, hey, Bijan Robinson's kind of cool. Kyle Pitts is cool when they throw him the ball once every 35 plays. Jonu Smith has more touchdowns. No, I think – uh, I think there's a I think there was a stat. Scott Spratt, uh, formerly of Football Outsiders, posted a stat where I think he said Sam Laporta has had three games of over ten targets in his rookie year. That is more games with ten plus targets than Kyle Pitts has had in his entire career. Yeah, I think it's only two for Pitts. So, it's so, yeah. yeah, this is this, I nothing this both offenses are really bad. But I can at least rationalize and say at least the Falcons have some fun players to watch. Ain't shit fun about the Steelers' <laughs> offense. No. Like it's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy. A high offense. It's crazy to me that you could have Najee Harris, who's played well. We, we need to stop this Najee Harris thing, man. He's a dude. He's he's not horrible. He played he's well enough. Good. He's a guy. That guy in Kyle Shanahan's offense would probably have like 1,200 yards. I would have 900 yards in Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> offense. Big effing whoop. But that's the I point. Think... That's the point. It's just a bunch of guys that could be serviceable that aren't because Matt Canada is a terrorist. I think Najee Harris is just kind of miscast <laughs> in what he can and cannot do in an offense. I think Najee Harris does not have great vision, which doesn't lead no. to a lot of good zone, like a he zone blocking offense. He doesn't he's, a ga- he's a gap scheme runner. He's a power counter, get him going downhill. And even in the Steelers game on Thursday, his best runs were on gap scheme runs. 
Listen, but man, Carlos Hyde had that. a great, great season under Kyle Shanahan in that zone. That is a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's possible to get production out of these people, no matter what the scheme. You just well, Evan, you're getting it. pretty excited about these stats that we're talking about here. But I saw one from my old friend Kyle Shanahan. Uh, never come back from uh, eight plus down in the fourth quarter in his entire okay. coaching career, that which is kind of wild. Dumb, no, that was such okay, a that's stupid a really cherry dumb. picked. That's a really stat. dumb stat. It's like the stat. Thaddeus Young, like he has like 30 plus points, 20 plus rebounds, 50 percent. Well, hold on. And when you think Thaddeus Young, you think Anthony Davis, you think Will it's, Chamberlain, you think LeBron James. It was a very fair stat. Thaddeus Young. We've always very, said that he's a in very cherry picked stat because mm. how many teams in the NFL are actually coming back from down double digits in the fourth quarter? Like, there's very few teams that mm. actually can do that. And so it's it's really stupid. Um, the Steelers offense just has nothing that's very fun. Like you can put the blame on anybody you want. Like Matt Canada is a terrorist. Yes. He's not very good at calling an NFL offense. The entire offense is just rollouts and throws to the right side of the field or what they'll do is, and apparently this is just some new wrinkle for the Steelers offense is they will motion a running back to the trip side and then runs George Pickens on a slant or George Pickens on a backside fade. They will never throw the swing route, ever. They never, ever throw that route. You know what? I got to say, go ahead, go ahead, go finish. But they will just throw the slant or the fade to George Pickens. And 70% of the time, it works because George Pickens is kind of good. But it's always so catastrophic because the quarterback sucks too. It's not like it's a only like a Matt Canada thing. <laughs> Kenny Pickett is a bad football player. There is nothing. Oh, wow. That he, there's yeah, nothing he that there's nothing worth saving here at this point with Kenny Pickett. He is fine outside the pocket, but he's always outside the pocket because he's bailing on clean pockets. And when he's in the pocket, he can't read the field or complete passes on time. The Allen Robinson t- uh, missed throw on Thursday was horrendous for multiple parts. First of all, Connor Hayward was open and probably walks in for a touchdown. Second, if he brings that ball off the dirt, Allen Robinson probably scores. So you just wasted two viable options because you have a terrible quarterback in this offense. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but Matt Canna is really, really bad at his job. But so is Kenny Pickett. Offensive line is hit or miss in the passing game. Um, Isaac Samalo has been – it was a bad game. I Samalo Thursday, but it's been hit or miss. Project Jones looked good at a right ta- at right tackle about time, but there's nothing salvageable about the two most important parts of this offense right now. And we just say real quick, I've been doing this pod with Chase for many years now, mm. a long time, a really long time. And Chase, bless his heart, has tried a lot of different segments and a lot of different things. You know, he's tried a lot. Like, you know, he's, there's a lot of alliterations when the reality is the only thing you should have ever done is just had JP come on the start of the podcast and just absolutely flame both of your guys' teams. Cause it's the most entertaining thing that's ever happened on this podcast. I can't wait till the Jeff Garcia game, the the Tim Rattay years come back to San Francisco. Cause I'm going to hold you to that, Evan, when you're still on this podcast and JP is right here to roast the future of the Niners. Brock Purdy is just Jeff Garcia. Who's young. Really? If you think about it, like it's not, it's not that different. Mm. That's why you have Sam Darnold. 
I have more in the tank for the Falcons anyway. Like this is this is not over. If like, I can, if I can add on to the Steelers stuff, just because. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> every week, man. Like I can tell you, they play the Packers this coming week. I can tell you exactly how that game's going to go. Oh, Both so offenses are going to suck for three quarters. So for bad. four quarters, really. Oh, is it Packers Steelers this week? Yeah. It is. Oh, it is. We have some ugly football coming so, up. Too. Oh. Both offenses are going to suck for three quarters. The Steelers are going to have one drive in the fourth quarter where they look competent. They're going to win like 13 to nine. And then all of these Kenny Pickett high people are, nope, another win. A fourth quarter comeback. He's got potential. We still got something. Yeah, he put up 13. You, do, you want to know another fun stat? So since the start of last season, Steelers, when they allow teams to score more than 20 points, 21 or more points. They are one in seven in those games. And the only game that they won in that circumstance was against Cleveland this year. And their defense scored more points than their offense did. So if you get 21 points against the Steelers, you're going to win. That is basically what's up. You want to know another fun stat? CJ Stroud has more career touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. Sure does. In eight games. (laughs) 14 touchdown passes in eight games. Kenny Pickett has 13 in 21 games. That's not good. Well, also, I think it's a little unfair because the one part of it I'll say that's positive is like CJ Stroud looks like a maybe the, I mean, a really, really like 15 CJ, year starter. Listen, people got like, mad that I said it. JP, you probably did, saw all of his fault, all the people he follows in Jaguars land. But CJ Stroud is what they thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be. Oh, no. Trevor oh, no. is a top five quarterback in the league right now. Maybe probably top 10, I think is the safer bet. He's Lofsky has in the in a MVP conversation. Five. Again, he's again, five, he's playing great. He's playing great football. He's play, He's been fantastic. But that like extra gear of like, I'm just going to go out and win games. It's been so fun watching CJ Stroud's last two passes last <laughs> night, yesterday were like, I've, I haven't seen something like that in a long did you, time. Did you not if watch I may, if I may, if I may. Baltimore? hold on, hold on. Against Baltimore, Trevor Lawrence, game-winning yeah. touchdown drive with two minutes left. Against Dallas, game, game-time touchdown drive with two minutes left, and then the Jaguars ended up winning that game. The t- entire Chargers' second half. I get it's it, not, man. It's not like he just never does this. Like, this is the – I get what you're saying, man. I'm a I listen. I say what I say as a big, like genuine Trevor Lawrence fan. I think he's a fantastic quarterback, but the level in which the hype came from him and what we have seen so far, it's not like they have a bad roster. Like CJ Stroud is that dude. Trevor Lawrence is a top five quarterback and has been a top five quarterback since the second half of last year. Like this yeah. is not, we don't have to do this. I think but CJ Stroud I mean, is really good. He but again, it's not, really it's not good. a knock on Lawrence. I just, I'm seeing CJ Stroud right now, even like everyone wants to talk about the game he had the week before, which he played terribly. And I don't mean to be all first takey, but I'm just saying, I just, well, it's so also you're... if you're a Colts fan, you're like, well, we're screwed because Will Levis oh, yeah. popped no, a little bit of last year. You are. You can't this have four not... good. You can't have four franchise quarterbacks in one division over ten years. It Who's just doesn't happen. Will Levis was a franchise quarterback yet. Who's hey, a... Levis has popped more, and he's going to stay healthy. Richardson's not going to stay healthy in this league. The Richardson stuff's over. You need can like we, it's move on. We, it's draft can, and move on. Can, you got to like move this forward, is, JP. Just, well, I don't think very like this is very Tennessee Florida hatred, and I don't understand this. 
can we just relax? We'll no, it's over. For at the least ship sailed a week. Look, man, he threw Jeez. against the against the Falcons. Hold on. We'll we'll go to the first game against mm-hmm. the Falcons. He threw four deep passes. Those were the only deep passes he attempted all game. Everything else was a check down. Mm. Against the Steelers, he did some good stuff. But he also tried to throw five interceptions that Patrick Peterson just dropped. Like they're, they're, He tried to turn – he tried to lose that <laughs> game a whole lot earlier than he actually did. So we, we all just need to chill with the rookie quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud has looked phenomenal. Yes. We just need to relax because it is mm. year one. This does not happen. Like we have been very, we've been spoiled by Justin Herbert and like Andrew Luck being really good in their first year. A lot of that shit doesn't happen immediately because when you get drafted at the top of the draft, you go to bad teams. And sometimes those teams just don't build the, the offense or build the roster correctly. Bryce Young with the Panthers, terrible talent acquisition. Multiple play callers throughout one year. Give it Bryce time. Young was terrible. Let it, give it time. I'm give it time because unless he's getting like it, like leg extensions, I don't care. Because he has multiple play callers through through the year. Um, he's got Jarrett out there running routes for him. No I mean, I will, I, I will say, I will say they put a. For the, I don't know if you guys saw, but they put for the Panthers primetime game. They put a Adam Thielen graphic up. It was for what? I, I, I hey, that's what I'm saying. It's the funny. I was literally was like, "What the hell is Adam Adam Thielen doing on this graphic?" <laughs> it's there. There needs to be more time, especially with Bryce Young and the Panthers, because again, the talent acquisition was poor. Outside of trading for that number one overall pick, the Panthers did nothing to help a number one overall pick outside of sign Adam Thielen. Who? This is not 2018, Adam Thielen. This is over 30. No disrespect to you guys. Adam Thielen. Dog, who, I am washed. I get it. Yeah, no, we like the, we we are aware. We look, are open about it. We're aware. We're embracing it. it. Yeah, no, you won't no. find any confusion on my look, end. Look, no. LaVisca Chenault is not doing the receiver thing for you. I've been down that road with LaVisca Chenault. Don't do this. He's an always he's a great what if player. Lavishka is fun. He's the he's a great theoretical player because he was LaVisca, a bowling ball at uh, Colorado. He was fun when healthy. LaVisca Chenault is if you took the idea of Debo Samuel yeah. and watered it down like LaCroix. Right. He yeah, is the yeah. LaCroix Debo Samuel. LaCroix? Yeah, Whatever. Dude, yeah, LaCroix. Listen, yeah. he's in Florida, LaCroix fish. You know what I mean? Like There is LaCroix fish. There you go. But, so, whatever. Uh, but either way, we just need time with all mm. the rookie quarterbacks. Just need to chill because they're, re- they're really good. They were all – but you got to remember, most don't work out. Like that's how this goes. Green. The majority don't work out. Like that's why we have this conveyor belt. We have a lot of talented quarterbacks coming in next year. This ne- fair, class is to, stacked. To be, fair, to be fair, the 2020 class had like five quarterbacks work out, or four quarterbacks work out. Yeah. But that's pretty I rare. Mean, let's. Uh, we right? don't need to. We don't need to ramble though. We we got we got some big things to talk I about. I want to say about Stroud though too, since we brought up Stroud. Like the things that he's doing right now, he's on pace to have the highest touchdown interception ratio in NFL history. He's mm-hmm. on pace to break the NFL rookie record for passing yards. He's gonna if he he's on pace to have the second most touchdown passes in a year for a rookie. Like, and he's doing all of this with Nico Collins as his number one receiver. No disrespect to Nico uh, Collins, he's had a good year. He's had a good year. But Nico Collins came into this year with 
his career high in receptions for a season being 37. He's got 36 catches already. So like yeah. Stroud is elevating everybody around. What's like one thing that everybody talks about when it comes to quarterbacks? Do you make the people around you better? And CJ Stroud has absolutely done that. He's, he's blown me away. I've loved I mean, loved listen, that. he threw five touchdown passes last night and they were all some of the prettiest throws I've seen. Like those two, that's the last two throws, the back-to-back. Like the first one, the touchdown. He is a prof- he is a very professional Dog. quarterback. Like, it's, yeah. but it's not even it's not even just like, that. It's it, like not only the was the touchdown beautiful, the touch was beautiful, the the all of it was great. But like the moment, the stage, like it was such a big time throw, and he just and then he, then he followed it up and threw it through again. It was insane. Again, a reminder. He's so, he's so fun to watch. A reminder: Trevor Lawrence did that against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. last year just yeah another reminder uh he has more than half of trevor lawrence's touchdowns this year in one game congratulations the jaguars are six and two i'll take I, that they are they are trevor lawrence um who's not six and two and we need to talk about this because i i i had a rough sunday afternoon oh boy it was do we need to talk about this yes yeah, so we, we do we have to talk about this this is a nightmare um because not only am I having to watch Josh Dobbs, who I love dearly, and uh, was a great, great Tennessee oh. volunteer. <laughs> this got to hurt so Friend much. of the podcast, was on the podcast last year from my area. Like, he grew up in Georgia, close to where I live. Like, Josh Dobbs, all-time great ball, all-time great dude. I don't know if any know this or not, but he's a rocket scientist. Um, but... He comes in. Jaron Hall gets uh, just scrambled uh, going into the the one yard line when the Vikings are driving down the field early in the first, and he comes out and Josh Dobbs has to go in. I've seen this movie before. I don't know if y'all remember 2020 when Nick Foles comes in for uh, not Justin Fields uh, at that point. I don't even remember who the quarterback who was QB one. Who Andy Dalton? It was Andy Dalton. And we, I was like, hey, look, this is one of those scenarios where I remember where I was, where I turned to somebody, and I was like. Oh, the game's over. Falcons are absolutely falconing here. Nick Foles is coming in, coming in off the bench. Falcons have no prep for him. He's absolutely going to dice this team up, and we're going to lose in excruciating fashion. That is what the Falcons did at home in 2020 against the Bears at home. This was about that same kind of deal. The only thing is, this is painful. Like, we are throwing away an all-time great schedule, an all-time great terrible division around you everything is right there they're not fun Bijan's not getting the ball we had a we had first and goal at the one at the one they didn't score a touchdown what did they do like Bijan robinson didn't get a touch at the line look there was no qb sneak what do do you mean what did they do they did everything yeah i have it pulled up first goal at the one first play false start so you go backwards (sighs) five yards second play oh my god Pass to Janu Smith for five yards. Again, Janu Smith, tight end two. When you have the highest drafted tight end in the NFL ever on mm-hmm. the on the roster. Um, then second and goal from the Minnesota one. A run for Janu Smith. A run for the tight end, Janu Smith. Guess how many yards that gets? None. Third and goal, one yard line. Finally, a running back gets the ball. And Tyler, Tyler Algier. Algier. Yes. 
goes backwards four yards. The Vikings end up kicking a field goal. First and goal from the one. It wasn't even like it, it, they went three and out from the one yard. Mm-hmm. It was, and, and two of those were Johnu Smith touches. I mean, what I tell you, it was demoralizing. And Dobbs just carving this team up at the end, uh, where you think the Falcons are going to make it through uh, with the uh, young way who deserves better. He's been great all year long, so he's he's been awesome. And then you just have this <laughs> after. Where Josh Dobbs, you just have this sense where you're like, it's happening. The falconing is happening. You can just feel it. Like, Clayus Campbell with his neck roll out here putting it on the line for the Falcons. He had a great game. Landman over here having a great game for the Falcons. None of it matters. This was the worst loss for the Falcons in such a long time where Dobbs is like, you hear everything that came out after the game just hurts a little bit more. Where it's like, Dobbs didn't know half of his teammates' names. Dobbs didn't know what to do when he got into the huddle. Got Dobbs had guys telling him, hey, here, what about this? Here's where this guy goes. How about this? And the Falcons still lost this football game. They still got treaded. Taylor Heineke was all over the place. It turns out it's not just Desmond Ritter. It's that both of those guys are just not good quarterbacks. The Falcons are... Un, they're excruciating because this offense is so bad. They're not using Bijan. They're not using Drake London. They're not using Kyle Pitts. It's just bad. All of it's just bad and boring. And there's nothing worse than bad and boring. And the defense has made such a leap that the it they can't implode. Like we're stuck at this point where like I don't think the schedule is so easy and this team is just they made the jump on defense. They still can run the ball really well from time to time that like, they're still going to be in the thick of things down the stretch. But I, I hate it. Like, I really hate watching this team every week. It's actually killing me. I hate this so much. Arthur Smith's got to go. Like if he wants to stay, then guess what? You're losing play calling duties. You're hiring your own, a new OC. You are not, you are now the CEO coach. You don't get to call plays next year. That is over. You do not get to talk the way you do after these games week over week and talk to the media the way that you do and just say, well, there's a lot of variables going into this, that, and the other. And this, no, the offense is just bad. Like the offense is legitimately bad. You used a running back. You took a running back at the number eight spot for a reason. He's not being used. What are we doing? What are we doing here? It's a awful awful situation because this team's still going to be in the thick of things come january in terms of hosting a playoff game the saints are their only real competition the schedule is a joke i'm not having fun i had to watch josh dobbs march all over my team in the second half i kind of liked it i couldn't really like it because of what was happening it was all terrible i hated every second of it it was oh my god i I, uh it's terrible it's almost like we told you this was gonna this was awful 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 time you say that the upcoming schedule for the Falcons is a joke, and I agree. But guess what the Falcons are right okay. now? <laughs> like that, that is a joke of a football team. That's the worst coached, like that's the worst coach performance that I've seen this year. And like I've seen a whole lot of Giants games this year. I've seen a whole lot of poorly coached games this year. And losing to a quarterback who got there four days ago, and he had to learn the cadence. Mm. on the sideline during the game he was not expected to be in the game and they lost like this is not a oh you can't shrug this off mm. this is not a loss you can just like oh it's just it's one of those things happen somebody's gotta go 
Somebody yeah. has to. And I think Arthur Smith, has, he has used up like all of his goodwill. Like you can't I mean, just be like, oh, he doesn't have the quarterback. He chose this guy. Yep. He strapped himself to Desmond Ritter, immediately I, got immediately bailed on it, and now you see what the problem is. I just think that one like Arthur Smith is supposed to be this like offensive guru, whatever, you know, he's an offensive minded coach. Look I at mean, what Bobby Slowick's guru. I know, but look at what <laughs> look at what Bobby Slowick's doing right now. Yeah. Like, you know, honestly, it, even though the Jets are terrible. Like the offensive coordination in that those games has been decent. Like I will, let's Garrett. Not, I I just do that that Garrett not. Wilson throw that 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 out to Garrett Wilson was like a perfectly drawn up play. It did Zach Wilson is just so bad. I just I don't understand what the I don't understand what the Falcons are doing. Like what's so I, my thing with Arthur Smith is he constantly thinks he's smarter than everybody else. He tries to outsmart everyone. Like, oh, they'll never expect a Jonu Smith handoff on the one-yard line. <laughs> but you don't have to. You yeah. don't have to try and draw up the next re- – you don't have to try and paint the Mona Lisa. You don't. All you have to do is just draw in between the lines. You have the talent. Just be like, hey, Bijan, go gain – go forward three feet, and you'll score a touchdown. But – you're, you're constantly trying to outsmart everybody. You're constantly trying to outsmart yourself, and you end up looking like an idiot. So, And that's, like, just... the difference between, like, Shanahan and Smith, right? And what those guys do is they, like, uh, the McVeighs, the Shanahans, they still target Cooper Cup 16 times a game. Like, they think that they're the smartest play callers in the sport, but they still know, hey, we got to get 30 targets to Debo, George Kittle, the, and Brandon Ayuk in this the game. Smartest, the smartest play callers in the NFL, all, like you said, the smartest play callers in the NFL know, hey, I got a dude. Yeah. Force them to stop it. Like that's, the, that's been like the entire like McVay playbook with, with Stafford and Cooper Cup is Cooper Cup's really good. Throw him the ball 30 times a game. But it's just always yeah. you're trying to outsmart everyone. Oh, Kyle Pitts is really good. Let's have them block because they'll never <laughs> expect it. When no, you don't have to. And of course, they'll probably like talk about like, oh, Drake London didn't play in this game. Then why don't you use Kyle Pitts as a receiver instead of Jonu Smith? Like yeah. I, the obsession with Jonu Smith really pisses me off. Also, Jonu Smith almost knocked himself out. I don't know if y'all saw his touchdown where he <laughs> yeah. had the, the big touchdown run on the screen. He falls and busts his ass. I thought he com- I thought he was hurt. Like it looked painful, and it was just the most Falcon way of getting injured of all time. Him just going to celebrate out, out of the end zone and just falls directly on his tailbone. That was, poof. That was scary. But Johnny Smith, I say the other thing. It's like good for Johnny. That was a great signing. Johnny was good. Like I'm glad that Johnny Smith's on my team. But there, he should not be this much of a feature of the offense. Like. Two things can be true. Jonu is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing uh, for this team, and he's a good football player, but he is being featured entirely too much. Uh, Jared, would you rather have Arthur Smith or Matt Canada as your OC? Arthur Smith. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Matt right. Canada. Is- Absolutely. Because I, I can tell you exactly, I mean, I already said it, I can tell you exactly how a Steelers game is going to go every week, and I can tell you the six plays that they're going to try to run. Mm. It's going to be that outside shoulder fade to George Pickens. It's going to be a bootleg and a throw to the flat that goes nowhere. Uh, it's going to be Kenny Pickett uh, getting to the back of his drop and immediately bailing on the pocket, getting happy feet when he's got a relatively clean pocket that he can either step up in or just take an extra second and wait. 
it, there's nothing about this offense that's good. Nothing about Matt Canada. Like, and I say this a lot, and I, I tweeted this a few days ago because um, somebody had tweeted a clip of like uh, Canada getting hype on the sideline uh, after the opening draft touchdown. And I was like, you know what? For as much as I bash Matt Canada, as much as Steelers fans bash Matt Canada, it's nice to see him happy when things go right. He's, he's a nice dude, but he's not a good offensive coordinator. Um, and the thing that JP pointed out, like having to be the smartest guy in the room, like being the opposite of a McVeigh or a Shanahan, knowing that they have a dude. He, Arthur Smith is looking at his other dudes like, okay, well, if I just keep throwing to John Smith, maybe they'll just forget about that I have a dude and then we can use him. Like using Bijan Robinson almost as like a decoy is so stupid. Using Kyle Pitts as like a decoy to draw cut is so stupid. Like when you've got these dogs that you drafted with valuable draft capital, both of them top 10 picks that just don't get used. And it's, it's dumb. I don't know. It's someone does. Some heads do have to roll in Atlanta though. I think JP's right about that. You can't, you can't just shrug that off. You can't just be like, ah, that's tough loss. What happens with, what's happening with Pickens? He deleted all the social media stuff. Is he asked is, is what's just, happening with that? This that is was standard wide receiver stuff. Okay. That was standard wide receiver diva stuff. Let's get people talking about this. So I get more targets. It was just a very okay. passive aggressive way of giving. He has two catches. He had two catches for minus one yard against 10. He's got three catches over the past two weeks. He's mm. pissed. And he went about it in the wrong way. I understand why he's pissed. If I was playing in this junior high ass offense or this junior high ass quarterback, Listen, getting three catches when well, I know I'm the best player on the everyone, field, everyone up to. Everyone knows the enemy speaks kindly and holds a knife. Okay. <laughs> I mean, look, it worked for AJ Brown. AJ Brown complained about getting not getting targets. Now he's the NFL's leading receiver. It, Yo, oh, by the way, you see, uh, you see Devontae Adams in the second half of the Raiders game. They scored three touchdowns with Adam, and and he was so pissed. And then the next half. It's just target after target. They were like, all right, we're, <laughs> up, we're up, we're up. Look, the best coordinators know how to get their guys the ball, regardless of what yeah. other defenses throw at them. And neither of those coordinators have that ability because one of them tries to outsmart themselves and the other runs an offense that a peewee coach could make up. I mean, it's just if you look at Kenny Pickett's like passing charts each week, there is no targets over the middle of the field. And it's all I can tell you every passing concept that the that the uh, Steelers run. It is slant to George Pickens, fade to George Pickens, screen pass, rollout smash concept with a slot receiver running the corner, and then like Deontay Johnson running a hitch or something. That's it. That's a high school ass offense, <laughs> and that's meaning no disrespect to high school offenses because I've seen some high school offenses that are much better. We're not talking about the high school offenses in Florida and Texas. We're talking like... The well, hold on. It's Tennessee and Georgia. Part of it's guys aren't big enough to see over the middle of the field. Like, so they roll them out. It's more comfortable so they can see the field better. Like, they don't they don't throw a lot over the middle um, and from what I with, see. With the Steelers, too, like we already talked about, Pickett, Pickett's not a good quarterback. Like, there was multiple throws that he missed against Tennessee where it looked like he was... Like, he thought he was throwing the Wendy. That's also the that's also the thing with having all these targets to the boundary and to the far hashes of the yeah. field. Kenny Pickett doesn't have a strong arm, no. so now yeah. you're just throwing dirt balls at Deontay <laughs> Johnson and George Pickens' feet. Yeah, I'd be pissed because I'm open and the ball is like five yards short. George Pickens ran a, a shallow inbreaker where he had a step oh on DB, it and is... if Pickett throws it on target, there's no he runs for forty yards and gets a huge gain. But nope, airmails it, and then Pickett. Pickens was visibly pissed 
for obvious reasons. And people are like, oh man, why is this George? Why is George Pickens so angry? Because he's playing with an awful quarterback. It like, wasn't it's just understandable. Like he missed him. It was a bad miss. It was a bad miss. Like, he's got like two steps on this guy, and Kenny Pickett throws the ball late, high, and behind him. So like it looks like he's just throwing to a completely different person. It's not good. Uh, Evan, left turn here. Chase Young is now a San Francisco 49er. Steve Wilkes has been on your hate watch for the last couple weeks with what's going on with the Niners. We didn't have you on last week. You're on a little bit of a losing streak. Um, Brock Purdy getting some questions um, about how he's played. What have you seen from the Niners over the last few weeks? Why was a bye important for this group? How do you think Chase Young will ultimately fit with the defensive line depth? Where are you at with uh, the Niners going into this week? I mean... The buy helps because Trent Williams and Debo Samuel needed the time to get healthy. Debo uh, was back at practice today. Trent Williams was not, which is a little scary, but, you know, we'll see. Um, what I will say is, although the sacks have not been there, Nick Bosa has had a fantastic season so far. Mm. Just if you're actually watching the reps and watching the film, like he's creating pressure over and over and over again but nobody else on the other side of the ball was able to do that there are so many clips where you'd see nick bosa just an inch away while you know drake jackson the the second year rookie from usc or the second year player from usc was just like 15 yards away like just thrown into the oblivion so i think chase young in his own right, he's had a fantastic season so far. This is like the highest pressure rate that he's had ever as, as a player. Uh, he had something like 15 pressures or something like, like that. I, he's had he's had a good year on his own. And that team in itself has always had a good defense. Jonathan Allen has been playing really well for a long time. They had Montez Sweat. Uh, I just, it's not the same. I think he's going to go into the 49ers defense no matter how bad Steve Wilkes is or how bad Steve Wilkes is while he's trying to implement D'Amico Ryan's defense, which is apparently what the case has been uh, multiple people that I know, um, you know, just as fans and people that are a little bit more knowledgeable of the situation have just been like, he's trying to implement a defense. That's not his. I don't understand how we've allowed that to go that long. Cause like, if you're watching that product, it's like, okay, well, this can't be the solution, but then they went and traded for chase young. So last year they traded for Christian McCaffrey. They traded a third round pick. They got Christian McCaffrey and every single game after that, he was a playmaker. He was a difference maker, arguably made a lot of mid quarterbacks look really good. And again, I think chase young is going to come in and play next to Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. And he's going to dominate. I mean, like, mm. it's hard not to have insane expectations. It's really hard. When you think about them trying to stop Nick Bosa, now they have to stop Chase Young. So unless Chase Young gets hurt, I just really There's don't. A large possibility. Right? I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if that if that happens, then that happens. But if he stays healthy, he's going to have the easiest situation that he's had in his entire NFL career. I, yeah. Let me before you, before you guys go. Let me also say, Chance Womack, um, or excuse me, Sam Womack, the 49ers cornerback uh, who basically has been out the entire season so far, came back to practice today. 
the 49ers biggest issue on defense has been their defensive backs and they're getting hmm. them and that Darren was a Darren Luter jr. Who's fine. He's not great by any means, but they're getting two defensive backs healthy. And I think that is going to also help because the biggest problem is they're getting pressure, but they could just throw quick passes and it doesn't matter. All of this is going to help. So, my biggest thing for why this is going to help Chase Young is Chase Young will always be playing uh, teams that are going to be up against his own team because mm. you lose the ability to do really pass rushes often when you're always down and teams can just run the ball and kill a clock. So now at 49ers, he'll be able to actually like pin his ears back into more downhill attacking defense. I do think the point about uh, Steve Wilkes trying to run D'Amico Ryan's defense is very – it's evident, but it's also like he's trying to add his own tune to it. Because last year with D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers obviously played a lot of quarters, a lot of quarter, quarter, half. This year, not as much. It's been a lot of cover three and a lot of cover one, which is partially why the DBs haven't looked as great. Because, you know, like you said, the pressure is getting there, but you're playing a lot of off man and a lot of off cover three. It's not as aggressive and upfront. So I do wonder. While also little- blitzing constantly. Oh, yeah. A lot of blitzing. A lot of blitzing and a lot of off man. It's great that you have all the dudes, but offenses have answers for that nowadays. Um, The biggest thing for 49ers, though, is getting Debo Samuel back healthy. Mm. Because it was evident without Debo Samuel, the offense could not move when they couldn't run the ball. And against the Bengals, they couldn't run the ball because the Bengals have a legitimately great defensive front. And they were able to get into looks that negated a lot of the outside zone runs. How that works is, okay, the 49ers normally, when the run game isn't working, they can just do the Debo screen pass or the Debo RPO, which is basically just an extension of that run game. And be like, okay, Debo will do something after the catch, and that'll be our run game. That'll get you six yards on first down. So them not having that put a lot more pressure on Brock Purdy's shoulders to do things in the early down passing game, which he – does not have the ability to do yet. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting, especially next week, because the Jaguars have one of, if not the best run defense in the NFL. So I'm excited to see it. I do think Chase Young is going to be good in uh, in San Francisco. It's going to be really fun. It seems like Brock Purdy has to outplay Trevor Lawrence to win this game. Like he has to have a really good bounce back Brock Purdy game. What I don't, know, your... if I don't know if it's necessarily like, Brock Purdy has to outplay Trevor Lawrence. It's Brock Purdy cannot fuck up. Mm. Don't don't do stupid shit. Because <laughs> in the past few weeks, Brock Purdy has done some real stupid shit. And it's not like he hasn't done stupid shit at all this season. He's he's thrown a lot of passes that should have been intercepted. Seems to the now, yeah. now you're playing DBs who can actually catch. And you don't want to do that against a Jaguars team who also forces a lot of turnovers. But this is why you go and get away and go back home and go to the cornfield. That's why you're plowing uh, in your your off week. That's why you're you're doing that. The man got away. He had to clear his brain. He's throwing too many picks. He's two in his head. He needed to he needed to get away. Not the first time Brock Purdy's been been at the wheel of a machine, an unstoppable machine that only had to just steer the wheel. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was good. I like that. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, but I mean, I got to ask, like we play the Jaguars. This is coming. It's starting this week. 
What do you think the biggest areas of opportunity are for the 49ers? Against the Jaguars? Um, if they can if they can get early down passes, they have to throw the ball on early downs. You cannot run the ball on early downs against the Jaguars. They are one of the best teams in the NFL at running the ball on early downs, regardless of who they play against. That's their entire MO. They play, they play heavy on uh, defensive fronts on, on early downs to try and get you into second and long. And then what they'll do is they are not like the Giants or the Vikings where they will blitz relentlessly. They are going to send sim pressures and zone blitzes and make you think that one guy's coming from one area and then bring a guy from the completely the other side. It's less like the Giants and uh, Vikings and more like how the Bengals played the uh, – play the 49ers, I think the biggest opportunities are you cannot let them get into the Jaguars, get into a position on defense where they can get into that pre- those pressure looks. You have to force them to only win with four. You might also want to help the right tackle because Josh Allen is playing the best football of his career. So that's going to be the biggest thing. On offense, you have the advantage up front. Like that's the Jaguars' biggest problem is the blocking has been inconsistent. But I do wonder if you see, from Jacksonville perspective, a lot more under center play action because that's really what has hurt the 49ers' defense in the past couple of weeks is you. that's the best way to get an aggressive defense like the 49ers with weakness at defensive back off step, off balance. You slow down the pass rush by running play action. And the Jaguars love throwing the ball vertically off play action. They'll have like they'll line up in like 12, 13 personnel and they'll max protect and then they'll just throw deep off play action. Trevor Lawrence has been one of the best deep ball passers in the league this year. You have to you have to win up front against this team in order to beat the Jaguars offense. I like it. Uh, Jarrett, who you got? Your MVP leader right now is who? MVP leader right now? That was a good question. If I had to pick one, I mean, right now, I mean, the obvious ones are going to be, it's going to be Tua, it's going to be Mahomes, it's going to be maybe Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those three that do win it because you look hmm. at how it was played this year in terms of he leads the league in passing yards. I think he's leads the league in touchdown passes. Um, but a lot of that's going to be a caveat in terms of not okay, burrow in your top three because i think burrow it might I I'll, I'll, I'll say mine but yeah burrow is playing his way we, into it right we are we i'm not gonna say it yet i want to hear what jared says. yeah keep going jared uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear what jp says about this whole burrow thing you look at how he's played over the past two weeks against two of the best teams in, in football five touchdowns no picks he just had 340 yards against the bills who albeit a depleted defense but still you know at their best are a Super Bowl contending team. So he's playing his way into it, obviously, with the first half of the year. It, it wasn't great um, with him dealing with the calf injury, but off the bye, he's played better. I think we should also talk about Lamar Jackson a little bit more as an MVP. Like he doesn't have like the gaudy numbers when it comes to passing touchdowns and everything, but they've played two of the best teams in the NFC. They played the Seahawks and the Lions. It, over the uh, past three weeks, the Seahawks are not one of the best teams in the NFC. They yes, absolutely they are. are. Like, yes, they no. are. They, yeah, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Like, Evan hates this. 
But uh, I, so I, I incredible hateration. I respect it, but dog. So they've played <laughs> the Seahawks and the Lions over the past three weeks. They've outscored them seventy-five to nine, and Lamar is he's look looking as good as he ever has as a passer. And you look at the wep- the quote unquote weapons that he's working with, and he's still making this offense where I think Lamar Jackson deserves so much more credit than what he's getting right now from most people. I think that that's kind of flying under the radar. We know how good he is, but I think people are going to look at his numbers. They aren't gaudy numbers or anything. I think he has 10 touchdown passes this year. It's nothing crazy, but the fact that he's making this work, not just making it work, like their offense is good. And the defense is also helping out Baltimore a lot too, because Mike McDonald is doing a fantastic job with the guys that he has. There was a two. I, I know I'm kind of diverting, Chase. So my apologies, but no, Baltimore is fascinating. Uh, there was a two-play sequence against the Seahawks where Kyle Van Noy had sacks on back-to-back plays. One of them was a strip sack, and they ran. I think the first one, like they ran um, some sort of stunt, um, and they just sent Van Noy uh, in the vacant gap. And got a sack. And then the next play, he came through as an extra rusher and got the strip sack at the end of the first half. So the things that he's doing in terms of the defense and to complement the offense is awesome. Uh, but Baltimore, yeah, man, that they, they are doing fantastic stuff right now. And Lamar, you know, doing it with Zay Flowers is cool. Mark Andrews is obviously good, but, you know, no, I don't think a defensive coordinator in the world is scared of Rashad Bateman. I don't think anybody's scared of 30 year old Odell Beckham. I don't think at your core you're scared of Gus Edwards necessarily. You're scared of the the Ravens' run game and how good it is, but you know you're not worried about the personnel in terms of the run game. So Lamar is is keeping that team going, man, and doing a really good job at it. And he doesn't have really the numbers that are going to stack up against other top guys, but I think that he deserves a lot of love. I'm just kind of worried, and I don't know if y'all share this sentiment. So PFF has. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have 19 defensive players who've played 100 plus snaps this season and have a PFF grade of at least 60. No other team has more than 15. And that's part of it. Like Marlon Humphrey had a really good game this past week. They're just loaded all across the board defensively. And I just wonder if that hurts Lamar is that the defense is so good that you just, I don't know, like with MVP and stuff like that, it seems like it favors guys who it looks like they're having to do everything. Where Mahomes the last couple of years where it's like having a bad defense really does help your uh, the legacy. Peyton Manning did it for years and years where you have a bad defense and it makes people and voters appreciate you more. It's like, look what he has to do to keep his team above water because this defense is always bad every every year. Josh Allen's had to deal with it from time to time. But like, I, I wonder how much that hurts Burrow too because both defenses are really playing at an elite level. And I don't know if that affects their MVP case. So Lamar Jackson is my MVP so far. And okay. I understand the... Thoughts about the defense, but I'm going to be very nitpicky, and it's going to be such a nerdy thing to say. Second half, second half of the season last year, the Chiefs' defense was really good. Mm. Like they, they were really good, so I think they deserve a little bit more credit there. Um, MVP normally goes to the best player on the best team. Like that's mm. all. That's always how it's gone. You know, it goes to the quarterback of the best team in the league, and right now, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the league. Like are you feeling – how confident, like, are you that they're better than the Bengals right now in a neutral field? I'm fair. I'm very confident. Actually. Interesting. And okay. Wait, you think – hold on. So not even I, – I hate that I'm even saying this, but the Eagles don't – I think the Eagles are the second or third best. I, think, I mean – I think they find – they always find ways to win. But yeah. Baltimore has throttled two division leaders in the past two weeks. Mm. Yeah. Like that's yeah. 
that deserves like a lot. That deserves a lot of credit. And not only that, but Lamar is playing his best football of his career. Like, of course, it's not going to be reflected in the stats, but no, I, Lamar's grown, playing amazing. He's, he's grown every so year. much as a passer, like in the ability to work different arm angles, getting all the way to the check down so extremely quickly. And then he still does the Lamar Jackson stuff, but it's just that Ravens team is really good. And I, the reason I say that I would favor them over the Bengals right now in the neutral field is because Joe Burrow is always. Joe Burrow's fantastic. He has never played really great against Mike McDonald. They're such that a bad matchup for Cincinnati, that is, dude. That has yeah. been like Joe Burrow and the Bengals' biggest. Wait, problem. why is that such a bad matchup for Cincinnati? I think for it's a- some reason or whatever, the Bengals have just, at least with Burrow, my, our Baltimore's defense has just been a really, or for Baltimore, it's been great. But for Cincinnati, they can't seem to, like even in the playoffs last year where they yeah. had Tyler Huntley, they like, were a fumble on the goal line away from beating the Bengals with Tyler Huntley. It was They're like a 17 game game. Like it's the reason I think it's such a problem for the Bengals offense is one, the Ravens defensive line just kicks ass every week. <laughs> like this is another game against another, like, Again, division leader who has a pretty good offensive line, and they just whoop their ass the entire game. And it's not like they have like dominant dudes. Just Matabuke is awesome, but Jadavian Clowney was signed off the street before the season and has been one of the most productive pass rushers in the NFL. Kyle Van Noy has five sacks in six games. The Chicago <laughs> Bears have ten sacks total, like as a team. So it's not just like they're getting production at, at a dues just being dues, but they're able, Mike McDonald is able to do such a good job of marrying pressure with coverage. The interception Geno Smith threw to Geno Stone was a great example of marrying pressure with coverage. It looked like they were going to play a cover zero. This was actually my play that like the film bro play that you had at the, uh, the end of the segment. Like this was my play of yeah. the week. So okay. the Ravens, the Ravens lined up in cover zero all across the board. looks like, Man coverage is going to play press at the line of scrimmage. So to Geno Smith, they'll say, okay, cover zero. Tyler Lockett gets sent on a go route. You know, this is going to be like you hit Tyler, Tyler Lockett over the top. It should be a big play. But then at the snap, they rotate out into cover two. Tyler Lockett doesn't adjust. Tyler Lockett adjusts his route because he sees it, but Geno Smith doesn't see it. So he still thinks he's running a go. Tyler Lockett stops, and Geno Stone has the easiest interception of his life. But it's not just the fact, like, oh, it was a miscommunication. The Ravens' defense forced the miscommunication. They forced him to think quicker after the snap because the pressure was coming hot off the edge because of the mugged-up coverage, because of the mugged-up defensive line. you got to squeeze all that in instead of sifting it out because normally what offensive linemen – what offensive lines do is they break it up into halves. So if there are three rushers on the left side of the ball, the center, left guard, left tackle will work with those three, play, play like a zone or something where whoever runs into your area, you take them. And then the back two will play man. You can't do that against mugged up defenses because there are two guys in both A gaps. You have to squeeze it down, meaning the guy off the edge is the quarterback's responsibility. He is hot off the first man free. So what that means is when you squeeze that and the defense drops both linebackers, you essentially wasted the entire middle of the offensive line. And so you get a guy running free off the edge without having to blitz everybody else, causing miscommunication. It forces you to speed up your timing and your process. 
And that's really the best way you can really defend the Bengals. You don't mm. want them to get comfortable. You want to throw off the timing somehow, whether it be through pressure, whether it be through mixing up the coverage looks. And Mike McDonald does such a good job of that against the Bengals. They are always able to force the Bengals into uncomfortable spots. And like Jarek said, that playoff game, they were they were a fumble away from beating that team. And that defense played phenomenally. And that defense is even better this year. And they haven't really been fully healthy. Marcus Williams has not played because Geno Stone is having the best year of his career. So the injury thing that we talked about before the season is like, I don't know if it's as much of a big problem now because the backups are good. <laughs> like the backups are playing good and the starters haven't even played yet. So now you have depth. So and it's it's really exciting. And you talked we talked about blitzing earlier on in the show. Like McDonald is also really good at utilizing the, his middle defenders. Like, okay, is Roquan Smith going to be sent as a fifth rusher? Is it going to be Kyle Van Noy like it was this past Sunday? Are they going to send Odafe Owe more? And when you can get constant pressure like that, it you know you can okay now that we can do you know simulated pressures. We can run these stunts that they that they run a lot of. So Mike McDonald is right now is. He's the best defensive coordinator in football today. Um, uh, I know Lou Anarumo gets a lot of love, and he's very good too. But as of like right now, um, November seventh, uh, twenty twenty-three, Mike McDonald did, he deserves a ton of credit for what he's done with that side of the ball because because we talked about it a lot on the show coming into the year, like the doubts that we had about Baltimore and their defense. Because okay, they're hurt. Uh, are these backups going to be able to do anything? And they have. Uh, Geno Stone is leading the NFL right now in interceptions, and we're we're seeing you know. I mean, JP pointed out with Jadeveon Clowney being one of the best edge rushers in the league right now in terms of just efficiency and getting pressure. So a uh, ton of credit to Baltimore, man. They are, they're a tough out. And they're also giving up 13.8 points per game. Which That's is also crazy. The highest, like, or the lowest in the NFL this year. And you never actually guess who is second. It's Cleveland, isn't it? No. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. And mm. I am I am putting my flag on... I knew this Chiefs defense was going to be really good before the season. I'm I'm doing my victory laps. Mm -hmm. yeah, they really like, kind they of have, Georgia. They have an actual elite defense right now. Like it's pretty in, it's infuriating. I'm not going to yeah. lie. And it's it's awesome too because you look at all of those guys. They're homegrown guys like Trent McDuffie, Legarius Sneed, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. Like these are all guys and. Uh, Brett Veach and the entire front office deserve so much credit because as good as Mahomes and Kelsey are, that defense and the way that they've drafted, they have knocked it out of the park the past like three drafts with these guys. So that they've and they're been also they're also winning in the margins where it's not just drafts, it's free agent pickups. Mike Dana, yeah. amazing, like as a, a sub package pass rusher, Charles Amenu came back from suspension as immediately helped that defense. And Charles, the Miami. The 49ers legend, of course. The Miami game was just so impressive defensively. And I've always had the thought to stop Miami's offense, you have to press. You have to jam them at the line of scrimmage. It's not just to be like, oh, we're going to play man and jam them at the line of scrimmage because you're not going to survive that way. But it's just throw off the timing a little bit. Because that offense is so timing and rhythm-based, it's not just about changing the picture or winning with physicality up front. Force those receivers to be physical. Force them mm. to throw off the timing a little bit because if you throw off the timing by just a second and force Tua to work off of that, then you can start to fluster them a little bit. You know, this is still 
still a Shanahan offense. Like it, it's predicated on timing, on rhythm. So they had a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And it kind of reminds me of uh, this Chiefs team is the inverted inversion of last year's Chiefs team, where the offense was putting up extremely high numbers. They were, I think, last year, one of the highest, like one of the most efficient offenses we've ever seen, while the defense mm-hmm. kind of just hung, hung out for hung on for the ride until the young guys started to get more reps and started to play a little better. The defense has been one of the best in the NFL this year, and the offense is just kind of hanging on while the young guys at receiver still try and figure it out. So if this really is like the inverted version of the Chiefs last year, and now you add the multiplier of Patrick Mahomes onto the young guys actually learning how to run this offense really well, it's going to – they're going to be really hard to beat once again. Uh, there you go. Evan, question for you. Yeah. This is right up your alley. Buy or sell? The Cowboys showed they're for real, even with a late last second loss, Mr. Swords. Oh, what did I tell you at the beginning of the season? <laughs> what did me? I tell you? I said they got a good quarterback, fantastic roster, and it does not matter because Mike McCarthy is the head coach. They gave Mike McCarthy a bad head coach more responsibility this year. What was the biggest problem JP with the Cowboys last yesterday? <laughs> just no, just one word answer. One word answer. What was it? It was McCarthy. It was coaching. It was coaching. It was coaching. So, sure. Yeah, you know, you what did you say? You said they're going to win the NFC East. They're not going to do that. The Eagles I think that's are not looking that. good right now. Yesterday yeah, no, was rough. No, 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 it's not. No. See, and this is the thing, Chase. It's like we're your friends. We love you. Mm-hmm. We care about you. We want the best for you. And we sit here on this podcast and tell you what's going to happen with Desmond Mitter. We tell you what's going to happen when it comes to Mike McCarthy. It's It was so obvious the whole but also, time. Dak, what are you doing throwing not to see or anybody really like, who, good yesterday? No, I'm saying in the last play. What like what are you doing? Like he So yeah. the Eagles basically at the second half of the game uh called one double eighty-eight, which is you play cover one everywhere else and you double the best receiver on the team. Mm. And the Chiefs, the not the Chiefs, the Cowboys problem is they don't have another receiver outside of CeeDee Lamb. No, they don't. Like they just yeah. They just don't have a guy they trust. Dak was phenomenal yesterday. I yeah. We're we're gonna Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, and I don't mm-hmm. like it at all. He is really really good. Um, I actually kind of came away from this very encouraged by the Cowboys. Like mm. they were, they were half a yard short. Yeah, of winning that game. Like if Luke Schoonmaker actually like gets his knee like on the other side of the line. That's a touchdown. If yeah. Dak's foot was just a little bit smaller, they get the two-point conversion. Like it's it sucks to just say like them's the breaks, but in a game where the Eagles can maximize every margin because they're so good on fourth down, they're so good in the red zone, and they created a massive margin for error for themselves. For a team like the Cowboys, whose margin for error offensively is so small, you can't have like Guys going down a yard short on or half a yard short on fourth and goal. You can't have Dak step out because that's the difference between winning the game and losing by five or needing a game winning drive with 30 seconds left where you start at the six yard line 
and end up at the 33. You like, know, just- I, I got to say, this is the conversation we have about the Cowboys. Not we, I will never. But this is the conversation that you have about the Cowboys every year. Lots of what ifs. Well, one play at the end, there was one play at the end of the 49ers game when they completely botched it. I don't know what, what even that was, how many, ever many years ago. It's just the Cowboys. As, as funny and annoying as Stephen A. Smith is, he knows what he's talking about. This is what the Cowboys are. This is what it will ha- what will happen. This is what you expect. Dak is a great quarterback. They have really fantastic players on this team, and it does not matter. They will lose in the playoffs in a hilarious fashion, and Mike McCarthy's a terrible head coach. What happens when McCarthy and the Cowboys travel to Atlanta? For a matchup with the Arthur Smith, they're beating Atlanta Falcons. by eighty billion points. They're smoking the Arthur Smith pack on the flight home. Ooh, I mean, yeah. What do you mean? They're probably going to be the reason that Arthur Smith gets fired. I they're think they're game. They're doing more damage to the Falcons in that stadium than the last stadium that got blown up. Like the, <laughs> they, they are destroying the Falcons. It might not wow. even. Be- it might even wow. be the Falcons. Jesus. Let, let's slow down with the Falcons winning the NFC South, brother. You They're still bigger, winning the NFC South. Have, okay, but hold on. Let's not get back into that. Yeah. You have bigger want, fish to fry right now. Here's the point that I want to make. I just want to host a playoff the Cowboys, game and go to it. The Cowboys have lost three, in my opinion, really bad games. Obviously, the Eagles, you saw how close they were. JP talked a lot about what they could have done to win that game. They got steamrolled by the 49ers, who then proceeded to lose three games in a row, which is just even a worse thing for the Cowboys. And then they lost to the Cardinals. That was a bad one. They're, they're all bad in their own right. And the, the what's this is what's so unique about it. They're all so different. They lost so many. They lost a close division rival game. That's respectable, kind of. They got their ass kicked by the 49ers, who have beat them in the playoffs twice. And then they lost to a terrible Cardinals team. So it's like, literally, the, the Cardinals have one win. And it's against the Cowboys. That was also a weird game. Yeah, Listen, yeah. I every, get it. Every you team, know what? How many weird games do the Cowboys play? Every team deserves a mulligan. You know? Absolutely. I, I get Cow- it. And that's the Cowboys mulligan game. The 49ers mulligan game was the Vikings game. Well, I would say we got the, the game we lost uh, – was it the Browns game that they lost by a kick? Yeah, you can the, use that as your mulligan game. And I no, that's that's just a bad. Anyways, but my point is just very simple. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. They're no different than they are. Like the players change, the coaching changes a little bit, but the Cowboys stay the same. And the, they're they'll do well in the regular season, and they'll lose spectacularly in the playoffs. Hey, back in the day, they didn't even make the playoffs. Let alone, or, you know, then they didn't even make the first round. So it's like. There's progression, right? They're making it past the first round and every now and then. Hating hard, play man. the 49ers. Always hating hard in the Cowboys. But I, can we – there's the one thing that bothers me. The 49ers traded for Chase Young. Mm. Wait, why does that bother you? Because I – it. first off, if they were one kick away, if they made that kick and won that game and then traded for Chase Young, we'd have a be having a much different conversation. I feel like me and JP are going to be having a very interesting conversation come next Sunday. Mm. Because if the 49ers win and beat that team, the 6-2 and two Jaguars. Owner of the longest winning streak in the NFL. Right, yeah. Ooh. If they beat that team and Chase Young has a sack and Nick Bosa has a sack, 
I'm going to be a miserable motherfucker. And I already am. But I will be a because mi- I I've been quiet. Three game loss. I get it. But if JP 49ers- and Evan are going to be top notch on Just Monday. Know- if the Jaguars do win that game, I will never, ever, 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 ever shut up about it. I wouldn't never. either, dog. I wouldn't either. You trade for Chase Young and then you still lose? I would be on that one, too. I'll help you with ammo. Then here's uh, Jared and I are like, we'd actually rather not watch our team uh, week over week. Oh, Kyler Murray is going for like 400 yards. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing would surprise me. I'm just not even gonna like. I have no idea how that next uh, how Sunday is gonna go. We'll uh, see. I do want to say this about the, the Cowboys too, because it's like I can see. I don't want to be that basic ass human being, but like I can see like where you would take some positives away with Dallas because, like, like JP pointed out, if Screwmaker is like a half inch that way, it's a touchdown. If Dak's foot is a half foot this way, they they win the game. Mm. Um, but at the same time. You know, we're in year eight of the Dak Prescott experience, and yet we're still asking, can Dak Prescott win a big game? And and that's not a knock against Dak. He played really, really good on Sunday. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't go out and try to get somebody, like a trade for a Hunter Renfro or someone at the deadline because they don't have any juice offensively. Like, you take away 88, you're done. Well, to be like, fair, the Raiders weren't, uh, they were hanging up and on folks uh, for the receivers yes. at the ahead of the deadline. So it might have been impossible to get anybody in Vegas uh, last week. That, like, if, you, if they wanted to go out and get a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton, somebody of that, somebody to be a legitimate number two, because they traded for Brandon Cooks to do that, and he hasn't been that. And Michael Gallup sure as hell hasn't been that either. So uh, I'm surprised that they didn't, you know, try to make some sort of splash at the deadline and uh, to help complement the offense, because right now it's Pollard, it's, it's CeeDee Lamb, and it's Dak crossing his fingers. Um, so uh, it's hard for me to, like, punish the Cowboys in terms of, like, where I would put them in the, you know, the rankings or tiers or whatever because they did play a really strong game that just came down to inches. And Dak talked about it after the game. He's like, we just got to find a way to get those extra inches because they're only you know, a few plays away. Um but they're still going to be a playoff team. They're still probably going to, you know, win at least one game. They're going to be in the conversation to be in the NFC Championship game. But you know, this is um, that there are positives to take away. But there's also that that looming thing of like, okay, when are they going to finally like take this next step? And the biggest thing, like what Jared said, is regardless of what happens, like you're probably going to win that first wild card game. Your yeah. first wild card. You're gonna have to go to San Francisco or Philly again. Mm-hmm. Like the these two games, like they're not really helping, like the national like discussion about the Cowboys, not helping at all by those two games. But I think I have more faith in the Cowboys after this game than I did against the 49ers. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. they were they hung in that game. Like if they can get that level of play from Dak Prescott, like the they're gonna be in it. Yeah. I think the problem is just you see how hard it is to do the like they struggle with the whole starting as a wild card and running the gauntlet. I think it's really hard to run the gauntlet as a wild card. And I oh, think yeah. that's the issue here. Is now you're out of the NFC East race for a while. You're on the outside looking in. You're gonna need some help from the Eagles now. It's just really hard for them because they have to they have to work for everything on offense. It is mm. not easy offense. The Eagles don't have to really work for anything on offense. It is inside zone for seven yards. 
go ball to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith for 50 yards or RPL for seven yards. And they still have – I still have a lot of questions about the Eagles offense. I – it's the reason why I really can't say they're the best team in the NFL right now because it's they're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like they're still working through some things offensively. Jalen Hurts, once again, hurt his knee. Very – not not – little concern there, but they're still figuring stuff out. And the fact they're eight and one while still trying to figure stuff out, more power to them. There you go. Uh, Bailey's best, your top 10 SB contenders. Jared Bailey, after this week, are who? As of right now, um, going into week 10. So these are 10 to one of the power rankings. I kept Dallas at 10. They were 10 last week, too. I wasn't going to punish them for playing that well against a team who is one of the best in the league. So Dallas stays at 10. 49ers are 9. Um, the Buffalo Bills are 8. They drop a few spots after. The, the Bills need to figure this shit out, by the way. Like, I went on a rant after the Bills game. Like That was the, like, the most typical Bills loss ever, where the offense struggles. The defense eventually does get a stop. And then as soon as the defense gets a stop, Josh Allen throws it right back to the Bengals. The Bengals go up two scores and it felt like the game was done there. So also they, why they, do defenders on those like in crucial third down, fourth down plays late in the game try to flail for a flag on a holding call instead of just like using that spot to just do whatever you can to pull down the runner? Like it never gets hauled. I as someone holding, who sees player do this all the time, I don't know and understand why they do this. Because they're holding, never gonna call that. As a player for holding, if they're if you're the defender and they're grabbing you, you you want to try and flail to create that separation because for holding it has to be obvious. Yeah, like you have to really like sell it and make sure the ref sees like, hey, this dude is creating separation. Like I'm yeah. away from my jersey. You have to try and kind of do that. So it's it's a little bit of pro wrestling involved. Yeah. So and, and Gabe Davis, by the way, zero catches in that game. Nobody disappears more <laughs> in the league than Gabe Davis. So the Bills, the Bills are the 76ers of the NFL. Ooh. Like, I don't like necessarily get that reference, but everybody else seems to. So they don't I, have, I get it. They don't have depth. And mm. Bills fans very top heavy. Does that Bills make Stephon Diggs, like, Tyrese Maxey, and uh, Josh Allen, Joel Embiid? Oh, Josh Allen is 100% Joel Embiid. Yeah. I like that. All right. So uh, continuing uh, on, Jarrett. Yes. So 10 Dallas, 9 San Francisco, 8 Buffalo, 7 Miami beat a good team. That's going to be the mm. narrative around them until they do it, whether it's fair or not. They're, so all three of their losses have been to teams with winning records. They've yet to beat a team who currently has a winning record, and they've been outscored 151 in those games. They have a minus 49-point differential against teams with winning records. Fair or not, that's the narrative around them until they, until they change it. Beat a winning team. So Miami 7. The Detroit Lions are number 6. I'm glad to see that they bounced back from that big loss against the Ravens and just put an absolute schlacking on the Raiders last week. They're coming off a bye now. And uh, I don't know you guys have in front of you who they play this coming week. I actually don't have a point up in front of me right The now. Lions? Let me check. Yes. So um, they've got the Chargers. Oh. oh that's going to be such a funny game. They are going And it's in Los to... Angeles. I don't care where it's at. They could play it. They could play it in the streets of the South Side. I think the Lions are going to win that game pretty handily. They have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, they're they're going to win that division pretty easily. They could be say. a one seed. They might wrap it up by Thanksgiving. If we're the Lions as a one seed is going to be one of those things that, like, especially for Evan and I being in our mid thirties, is like I'm so tired. 
Evan took a sleeping pill, by the way, like an hour and a half ago, and this man is still with us. But uh, oh no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. I haven't understood a single thing that was happening for the last forty-five minutes. (laughs) JP is so smart, and my brain can't process those words. (laughs) There were so many words; it was relentless. Oh my oh, god, man! Uh, that was oh my god. I was wondering, like Evan. It's just funny. I can see it. I, I know Evan pretty well. I'm like, this man is fighting for his life over there. Did you notice me turning down the fucking ring light? Yes. I'm like this is too much, Sean. <laughs> oh, it's hot too. The fans on fucking hides doing nothing. It's and you know why this sucks so much? It's because Evan's over here, like, complaining. It's, like, 8 o'clock Evan time right now. He's in the Pacific Coast. He's fine. Like, hey, we're over here grinding at 1 a.m. East Coast Legends. in the morning and go to the gym. I don't want to hear it. You, you don't have to do it that early in the morning. Dog, you don't have to fucking wear Birkenstocks and write in a <laughs> journal, but you do it. What do you mean? At least I get abs out of it. That is a fair trade-off. You don't, get, you don't get ads for writing, ads for writing in your journal. No, I get endorphins. Trust me, I get endorphins too. With seven hundred milligrams of caffeine, I get some endorphins out of it. That makes me shake. <laughs> Almost three hundred milligrams of uh, caffeine in one. No, sitting. it's like three fifty. That's really. insane. Yeah, well, you know, when you're dead inside, you got to shake it up a little <laughs> bit to get the thing moving. It's like putting gas in the car. Right, yeah, and then lighting it on fire. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, JP, what can you get books? JP, you and your girlfriend. Oh, five teams in name too, by the way. Oh, you weren't even done. Jared wasn't even done. <laughs> no, I was That was. Well, hold on, Jared. You oh, were we going want, through a lot want, of stuff with each we team. We want. We're at five. This is you incredible. Did a, you did a top ten seven hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got hijacked. I don't know what to tell you. Is it, is uh, I'm sorry, Jared. Five through one. Five through one. Let's go. Five through one. Jaguars are five. Bengals are four. I have the Ravens at three. Chiefs mm. at two. Eagles at one. Eagles Those at one? Are, Eagles are still at one. Yeah. The, okay. I mean, got, they are eight and one. Yeah. I just, they don't feel like it to me. They just don't feel the same. If the if the Ravens and the Eagles played each other today, I would, I'd probably pick the Eagles. I would pick the Chiefs. I mean, I think the Chiefs are clear one to me. I think the Chiefs are like the best, de- like this defense of the Chiefs. Yes, but, but the offense, like I. It's still Mahomes. Like they're going to figure out the offense. Like if that's their biggest yeah. issue right now, that's they terrifying. They defense and they just, yeah. I, I think it's the Chiefs I'm one. I'm not going to necessarily argue against the Chiefs being yeah. one. Like I'm totally cool with that. Um, but. I just think whoever wins the three. NFC is just screwed. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. The NFC is playing for uh, a fake trophy because they're getting blasted by whoever they play in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's a I real don't... chance. There's a real chance that we get the Super Bowl being a rematch of week one. And I think that would be awesome. Who? Yeah. Chiefs Lions. Oh, no. We're putting the Lions in the Super Bowl? Obviously, a possibility. I can't I, do it. I like the Lions a lot, but I don't. A yeah, Jaguars Lions Super Bowl would be big. dude. It would be oh my god, that's a fever dream. That would be tremendous. Either way, somebody gets their first Super Bowl. That'd be great. Yeah, I like it. Uh JP, what can the good folks check out from you over at SBNation.com this week? 
doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, wrote a Caleb Williams piece earlier today. Um, got established a fund this Friday coming up. Of course, I kind of think it's cursed because everybody, every time that I write about someone, they end up playing poorly the next week. <laughs> so, you know, last week we wrote about Jaden Daniels, who got a concussion in the Bama game and LSU lost. Wrote about Bryce Young, who threw two pick sixes. Mm. And then we also wrote about Deron Bland, who got dunked on by Devontae Smith. So we're, we're firing on all cylinders. But catch what I'm doing at SB Nation. Uh, Going to be tweeting film, tweeting stuff every day. So just check me out there. We'll also don't write about the Tennessee Volunteers over the next two weeks then. Jimmy. Oh, don't, don't worry about that. Oh, wow. Okay, aggressive. Uh, Jared Bailey, uh, what can the good folks check out from you over at USA Today and the Pump Fake and everywhere else this week? Yeah, power rankings on USA Today. Go read those. Um, trying to think at the top of my head who all my goofy analogies, I can't really think of one right now that I did. Uh, but power rankings in USA Today, uh, Steelers stuff and buying the Steel Curtain uh, went through the rest of their schedule and just predicted how I think everything's going to go. Uh, follow me on X, Twitter, whatever. Uh, Jay Bailey NFL. Follow me on Threads too, by the way. Threads is fun. You need to get on Threads. I'm absolutely threads not doing that. That's okay. That's fine. Whatever. Um, I can't but, keep adding them. Thread, threads is definitely a better football. Like it's Threads is like really trying and making a concerted effort to be a good place for NFL discussion. It's I mean, just I'm, too much. I don't need I'm more. Definitely. I want less. Let's condense. But, uh, you don't get to be in content and then complain about content. I do because I'm always editing and putting stuff on all of these different content mediums. I'm the one who's having to do all of these different things, Evan. Like, it's more work for me. I just wish I could post my film um, on threads from my computer instead of having to transfer the film from the computer to my phone. Then go to threads. Oh. That's really the one thing stopping me. Like, I, it's just not as easy. <sighs> but... um. On top of that, um, I did a piece. We talked about CJ Stratt. I did a piece uh, on CJ Stratt and just the historic pace that he's on right now. And uh, maybe we should talk about him a little bit as an MVP candidate. Not saying he's going to win, but he should be at least. You Have know, we ever had an, a, a rookie win the MVP? Don't believe so. No. We were pretty close in RG3's rookie year. There were some murmurs that he, yeah. that he was going to Yes, but, there yeah. has been a rookie who that won MVP in. Uh, what year was it? It was Jim Brown. Oh, okay. Jim Brown won MVP as a rookie. He was a pro bowler, all NFL, ran for 942 yards on 202 carries, nine touchdowns in 12 games. Hmm. Just caught a touchdown and also returned kicks. None in the, none in the Super Bowl era then. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, see the strappings on you today, Steelers stuff behind the steel curtain. All that good, good stuff. Pump fake stuff. Yeah, Tuesday and Fridays for the pump fake to recap everything and preview everything, and then uh, Wednesday Q and A show, and then um, best bets show. I'm trying to make a thing on Saturdays, so a lot of stuff. There, there go. you go, Evan. Are you awake? How are you? Hi. Who are you? Where are my <laughs> pants? <laughs> Evan Swords. Uh, follow him on all the Twitters. He's back. He, he took a social media hiatus, and he's back. I had a really great month off. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. Oh God! I almost <laughs> I had a great month off, other than my dad dying. Oh my God! <laughs> my dad was old. But it was expected. It wasn't the sad moment. It was sad, but yeah, it wasn't. A... Anyways, uh, we, just, we love you, man. I love you too. Hey, uh, 
I'm really just excited to be back here next Monday because no matter mm. what, either I'm on the, at the tail end of an ass kicking or Ch- JP is, and I'm just excited. Or it'll just be a close game and nobody's going to feel good about it at all. Well, joke's on you. I will feel <laughs> very good about a close game win for sure. Because he's, he's just trying to get it up. He's trying to get off this losing streak. He'll be yeah. feeling good. Reg- regardless of what happens with Steelers Packers, I'm going to be bitching about it. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. You were right though. You've never Jared said and I are in hell. more correct than you said that. That is going to be a terrible, boring game. The Cardinals play the Falcons. Like we're Jared and I will both be in hell once again. There are a uh, lot of there are a lot of terrible, boring games next week. Yeah, not good. Good college football slate though. Um, all right, y'all. Well, you have yourself a great rest of your night, a great week, and I'll talk to y'all next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 